Welcome to Phone Booth Fighting, everybody, your twice-weekly podcast for everything under the umbrella of mixed martial arts and so far beyond. My name is Richard Hunter. Who are you? Frank Mayer. I thought I recognized you. <laughs> Together, we do this podcast absolutely free for you guys, and uh, we only ask a couple of uh, equally free things in return. Number one, if you go to our iTunes page, look up Phone Booth Fighting MMA in uh, sports podcasts on iTunes, you're going to see our page there. Click on the five stars. Give us a five-star rating, and if you have a moment, uh, write a favorable line or two in the review section because, A, we like to read those on the air and credit you, but, B, it helps keep us in the top rankings of the iTunes sports podcasts. And uh, when you see us there, then you know that you played a part in that, and we appreciate you do it, doing it. Secondly, Frank, uh, they can go to phoneboothfighting.com and click on the Amazon banner, but why? Well, that way you help support the show through just uh, <clears throat> by going through that banner. Whatever shopping you do that day or at that time, um, we get a small percentage back. And so that just is one of the best ways to help us out that really is no money out of your pocket because we're just actually taking money from Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the great part. You take money, not only are you supporting the show, you're taking money from Amazon. That feels pretty good. And uh, giving it to us. You get to play Robin Hood and uh, help benefit the uh, Phone Booth Fighting podcast (laughs) uh, by just doing your Amazon shopping through the Amazon banner at phoneboothfighting.com. You know who, uh, who did that today, as I understand it? Misha Tate. I was hearing that. I was appreciating that. Yeah, Travis, our producer, was telling me that uh, she let him know that she clicked through the Amazon banner at phoneboothfighting.com. So I guess the moral of the story today is be like Misha. Be like Misha. You're going to buy something on Amazon, go to phoneboothfighting.com and click through that banner. Also, and finally, the merchandise section, all the official phone booth fighting gear, the t-shirts, the autograph posters, they're all available in the store at phoneboothfighting.com. And right now... For a limited time only, all the t-shirts are 20% off. First time we've ever put all the designs at 20% off. We've done it on select designs before, but uh, for right now, anyway, for a limited time, the new ladies' tees, uh, the new uh, black t-shirt that's a limited edition run in addition to uh, the other ones that have been there before, they're all 20% off. So you can support the show that way as well and fly your phone booth fighting colors like uh, Travis is doing over there. He's off camera, so you can't see it, but he's wearing the, uh, the blue phone booth fighting shirt And, uh, yeah. And you know what? I also need to give a uh, shout out to one of our listeners, uh, Mike DeVore. I don't know if he says his last name, DeVore or DeVore, but, uh, he is actually a touring comedian and works regularly in uh, clubs and does colleges and stuff like that around the country. He came through Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago and actually picked up his order, his T-shirt from me. I just met up with him because we will do that sometimes. That's how we got Travis. I, I, way back when, I drove his T-shirt order over to his house. So if, if you're close enough to either my zip code or Frank's zip code, we may just show up with your T-shirt 
and uh, save you the the postage. But I actually met up with him when he was in Las Vegas, gave him his shirt, and uh, he's been wearing it on stage at his comedy gigs and tagging us on Instagram and stuff. So we uh, we appreciate that. And if you guys are doing anything like that, tag us uh, wearing your phone booth fighting shirt on our Instagram page at phone booth fighting, and uh, we'll repost it. We like to show that stuff off, show uh, what great fans and what great support we have. Frank, I don't know how your day was. Uh, I had to call an emergency meeting at the brothel. I can only wonder why. Well, we've, we've had a situation. Um, Someone didn't do the dishes. It, no, that's not it, but it's, uh, it, it, it is related to the appliances in the household and actually uh, far worse. What was happening was uh, I, I had to go around and put stickers on all of the toilets that say... Uh, uh, flush toilet paper only because uh, we were having condoms being flushed. We were having a problem with the condoms being flushed down the toilet. And uh, as it turns out, it's probably uh, the guys, though, right? Not the girls. No, it's the girls. Yeah. It was the guys let the of, girls handle the condom? Uh, the, a lot of the girls will do that themselves because they, they want to control making sure it doesn't slip off, let's say. So, this is my paranoia. Yeah. If in the future I ever become single and I'm, I'm having intercourse with women, yes, nobody gets the condom. That's smart because I am making sure that no one, no accidents, yeah. no pregnancy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you don't want to leave your DNA. Yeah, your DNA. I mean, there's a guy, you know. Sure. No, that that's smart. And see, you're you would be a customer I wouldn't have to worry about with our plumbing. But, uh, and I would appreciate you for but it. But I would go for the toilet. That's the problem. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just take it with you. Uh, leave no trace. Because the, the, the problem is what was happening. Now, if the girl, you first of all, to, to address your question, the girl will, uh, if she's uh, a savvy veteran, will, when you're ready to uh, withdraw, she will sort of keep a, uh, a thumb and forefinger on that or, or, or maybe a, a five-finger grip, depending on, you know. What, your development. Which, yeah, depending on what you got going for yourself. What you were gifted but, with. Right, but she will make sure that condom when you withdraw doesn't just stay with her that it, you know, is, uh, withdrawn properly. Uh, so that's number one safety concern. But then usually because of that, she'll dispose of it or wrap it up in toilet tissue or whatever. But we've had problems in the past. I'll tell you where we've also had problems with that happening is in the washing machine. Cause sometimes they just throw them in the, uh, they've thrown them up in the sheet. Let me back up for a second. Cause you probably don't, you probably don't know this part. So when you do your booking, right, we give the girl a little uh, kit. There's like so towels and things like that in them. But there's also a sheet, which we refer to as the party sheet. And that sheet goes over her bedspread so that she's not having to, she may not want you up under those covers, especially if you're going to be a kind of quick in and out, you know, you're not staying the evening or anything. So we just put that sheet over the, uh, the bed uh, but so what she's going to do at the conclusion of the festivities is fold that sheet up and take it to the community hamper and drop it in there. But the problem that we've had sometimes is that they've left the condom in the sheet, which then goes in the washing machine, which then jams up the washing machine. We've had that problem in the past, uh, but this this latest rash, uh, no pun intended has been uh, that they're getting flushed in the toilet, it's clogging up the plumbing, and then um, Sparky, the maintenance guy, gets frustrated. 
What's that like to snake that out? <laughs> Are you familiar with a snake? Yeah. Okay. I had to actually become familiar with that because once I started having children, I was tired of calling out plumbers oh, yeah. to fix toilets because kids yeah. will flush. Condoms. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. No, that wouldn't Well, no, sense. my kids, and I think most people's children yeah. that they've dealt when they first become potty trained. Yeah. For whatever reason, you know, there's always those few times you're not paying attention or you think that they have it on their own. And, yeah. you know, they, they, they end up using a whole roll of toilet paper oh, trying to flush right. it. Right. And no amount of plunging is going to ever fix that. So I had to, you know, instead of always calling out a plumber, I seen what they were doing. And one of the plumbers was like, hey, man, just go down to, you know, Home Depot. Yeah. Wherever, go get yourself a, a snake and, and that way you can fix this. And it became a, a lifesaver because now things get flushed down the toilets when you're, as a father. Uh, I'm dealing with so, but I, you know, I've pulled some strange things out of the toilet. I don't think I've ever pulled condoms out. Thank God. Uh, I couldn't imagine snaking out for uh, what'd you say his name was? Sparky. Sparky is sitting there and just like, <laughs> you know, four or five just used condoms just being wrapped up inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because then when you pull two, I mean, water kind of splashes. Like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That's just nasty. That's like. Yeah, that's definitely so, a shower after you do that job. Yeah, so I had to go around and put uh, stickers on uh, everybody's toilet today and just have a little chat with them and remind them that uh, that's a no-no. See, that's strange. If we have the females dealing with it, she just throws it in the garbage can. I mean, they're not worried about it. I mean, my thing is, you know, like Travis looked over at me. <clears throat> The whole rape issue, you know what I mean? Or, you know, mm. it just, I don't know. You just, you hear so many fucking crazy ass stories as a guy that women yeah. will do to men. So I just, uh, it made me paranoid when I was younger. I guess I don't have to worry about it now because, you know, being married, one, and then being two, you know, surgically altered. Yeah. Hey, yeah. isn't this something that they, they teach, like in the NBA in rookie camp? They teach specifically stuff like this. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah. I, I can imagine. That. Yeah, because yeah. those girls go out there. Smart. You know, if they have a guy who has a contract, you know, he has a pension or NFL guy. Mm-hmm. You imagine, you know, a baseball player. You know, uh, for a lot of these uh, young ladies that are just, they're not going to make it in life on their own. Yeah. If they can get pregnant, they've just they've they've hit the lottery. You know, I have a slight digression. I have always thought I am fascinated with game worn game used memorabilia not even in just the literal sense but anything I'm afraid where you're going with this anything that was uh <laughs> yeah anything that was actually an artifact a singular historical artifact that was like a was, pair of gloves that Muhammad Ali wore during a certain match that or you know the 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 gun that that Jack Ruby used to shoot Lee Harvey Oswald I mean not Holy you know shit where is that gun uh, it was it. Uh, it's been it's passed through the hands of several private collectors. That would be an interesting. I would like to be able to see that. Yeah, things like that, right? Uh, so those types of things fascinate me. But uh, do they have the rifle that uh, Lee, Lee Harvey Oswald used? That's an interesting question. Um, I'm not sure about that. I don't know where that currently. Because right, how did he hide that? I mean, I'm sure he had to leave it up there. Yeah, you know where I th- I'm trying. I don't remember about the rifle, but you know where I think I saw the gun last, the one we were just talking about, the one that Jack Ruby used to kill Lee Harvey Oswald. I think now they've got it in the School Book Depository Museum in Dallas because you can go up there and there's a whole museum up there, and they actually the corner that Oswald put the the gun out, they've it's encased in glass the whole corner, but they've left that part of the room just as it was like with the boxes stacked up and all that kind of stuff. So you can actually basically look out that window. So I think I saw that gun there, but probably the, the most interesting piece of historical memorabilia to me 
if I could pick one to own, would be Monica Lewinsky's blue gap dress, speaking of semen. Because if you think about it, I mean, first of all, <laughs> presidential DNA on it. But right. second of all, something, I mean, when you think of things of historical significance, that was a big one. I mean, that was one that really turned that an entire into evidence, tide of an Did they have the dress with the splotch on it? Or no? no, she only ever, she just said she saved it. That's all. Okay, that's what I'm confused yeah. with because she she's kept a, it, right? Yeah, she, she and, and that's assuming it actually, I mean, I assume she's not lying and it does exist. But she said that uh, she had it and when it was revealed that she had that, I think that's when basically the, the Bill Clinton kind of had to admit to you know everything that had happened uh but it fascinated me for several reasons i mean one the historical perspective of it to the fact that it was stained with presidential dna and two that it was a cheap gap dress like that's kind of added to the allure of it as well you know it's not some gianni versace number it's just something well, off I the mean, rack I, at the gap i kind of think it went with the theme of uh, what bill clinton was going that's for. that's what i'm saying i mean yeah Monica just, definitely wasn't a 10 yeah i mean it's a real uh item of intrigue and i would uh i would display that proudly in my home you know what i do have in my i'm home. thinking real quick monica mm -hmm. lewinsky would be the only kind of i would have to be a couple beers in mm-hmm desperate to go home with someone that night and kind of looking around at two in the morning realizing that my first couple draft choices have already gone home with somebody else and yeah i'm like well fuck it i'll take the fat girl you know what i mean like yeah is yeah. that kind of like uh, our buddy sticks just lowering the bar a little bit that's right yeah, yeah exactly that's uh, <laughs> what sticks adenia preaches from uh from steel panther that's right well that's that's an item i would like to own i this is just stream of consciousness riffing here because i didn't intend to get into any of this but one topic's leading us into another do you know something that i have in my home that uh is it's actually in my closet because for the longest time i've been wearing it around the house but i was thinking i should display it somehow i have a trump Taj Mahal casino bathrobe, okay, from Trump's bankrupt casino that I purchased from Scotty Schwartz, who is the kid in A Christmas Story that sticks his tongue to the, oh, yeah, the pole, okay. okay? I got it. I bought it from him because he was the executor of the estate sale for Corey Haim. Do you know Corey yeah. Haim, one of the Corys? When Corey Haim OD'd, right. this this robe was Corey in Haim his and Corey closet. Corey Feldman were the Corys. They were the Corys. During yeah. the 80s, did That's the right. kid movies in the world. They, they were the Corys. So it's got it's got several interesting levels. It was it was Lost in, Boys. Yes, Lost right. Boys. It was Dream a Little Dream. It was in Corey Haim's closet when he died. I bought it uh, straight from the closet off of the kid from a Christmas story, and it's got the uh, the bankrupt trump taj mahal casino cool. logo on it which now and this was before trump was president so now it's got that weird tie-in and i've actually for the longest time i've just sort of worn it around uh the house but i have an odd fascination with stuff like that i just think it's kind of weird sort of creepy that's why i'm excited to go to the haunted museum and um uh do you like going to antique stores yeah you know, I have a hard time going to antique stores. You and Billy Bob Thornton. It bugs the shit out of me. Uh, Jennifer likes going places like yeah. that, but I have to look, and if I see pictures of yeah. people, yeah. 
I'll either ask Jennifer to fold them down for me or I'll purposely try to walk around them. Wow, really? I can't look at old other people. Like, cause to me, it's like so invasive that I'm looking at somebody. Like, I'm like, there was a family that existed at one time. Yeah. That was their moment in, in this existence. Yeah. And now here, I just sit inside of an antique shop and strangers are coming by looking at it. Like, to me, it like it just it, it screws with my head a little bit. Interesting. Did you know that uh, that Billy Bob Thornton has a phobia about antique furniture? No. I can't believe we didn't. If I'd have known this, we would have brought this up when we were all together and he was on the show. Yeah, I don't have any weird quirks. That's one of them. I don't okay. like looking at other people's photos. All right. Next time, especially I mean, it's you know, you're going back 70, 80. You know, you yeah. know that family no longer is that yeah. family. Yeah. Next time he's on the show, we have to talk about this because you're the only other person I've ever known that had that uh, phobia besides him. That's interesting. All right. Why did we start talking about all this? Oh, yeah, flushing condoms. Yeah. So anyway, so that was... Uh, yeah, from brothel condoms to yeah. antique stores. So that was... Uh, That's a good rift. That was my day. I'll tell you something else that I did today. And of course, now the girls cop up to it. They're all innocent, right? No, one of them told me. I mean, I'm, I'm just going door to door. And the funny thing is, I've got to make sure, like, there's no business being conducted, you know, before I enter the room. Have you ever caught any of the girls not using condoms and had to tell them, like, look, you know, because of rumors, like, because, you know, I'm sure yes. when guys go there, they're like, okay, look, if I give you an extra, yes. you know, so much amount of money, can I go raw dog on you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, to answer your question, no, I've never caught them. Um, and two, I mean, that that really isn't something that would 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 happen very often just out of a concern of safety however you are correct in assuming that there are guys who will come in and oh, go yeah, oh because, i'll pay you this extra well, amount or something like any that. guy that picks a prostitute up off the street yeah and he tells me he's gonna you know ah fuck con is like dude mm-hmm. you are suicidal sure like, you are yeah, psychotic 100 but going to a brothel knowing that there's never been a single case uh-huh. of a sexually transmitted disease because there's such such tested girls yeah you're technically safer fucking one of them without a condom than you are that is some true. girl you pick up at a bar that, that you is know, true has never been probably frequently. ever been at a you know yeah. you'd be surprised how many people i've had conversations with this because as a fighter i've been tested for diseases Every time I walk into an octagon or the cage, yeah. I've been tested for yeah. STD, you know, for HIV and hepatitis specifically. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of people that, I, you know, friends that I've talked to, I'm like, so you've never had an AIDS test? Mm. There are a lot of people who've never been tested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, you're, you're absolutely right about that, that they, uh, in that sense, are, are some of the safest around. So we don't have a, a lot of trouble with girls wanting to do that. But, yeah, the guys do on occasion. I mean, not too often, but you do hear about guys that will try to, you know, bribe them or something like that. Lie. But they know better than if that. If I was at a bra, I'd be that guy. Oh, yeah? Oh, hell yeah. I It'd be that. so awkward, though, that I'd have to ask you to leave. I'd be like, I'm sorry – you'll have to leave and I'll see you in a couple hours for the podcast. Like it would be so, you know, but, like, but it's like getting a massage with rubber gloves on it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Mrs. Mirror's not here and she doesn't listen too often. So, yeah. but that was one of the motivating factors. I mean, obviously I love my wife and I was in mm-hmm. love with her, but, uh, knowing that I didn't have to wear protection anymore during sex. Yeah. That was a kicker, man. That, that, that's actually a pretty good incentive. Cause interesting. Condoms really? are awful. See, Maybe it has to do with the generation that I grew up in because, so I'm, what am I, like uh, eight, nine years older than you. And I- What generation are you considered then? Are you generation X? Gen X, yeah. Okay, so then 
I'm you're, not a, you're, you would be Gen Y. You're kind of on, right on the cusp of the, the end of Generation X and the beginning of Generation Y. Okay. And what are millennials? They're the 2000s? They're the next ones. Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. So what, 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 because of, I mean, I became sexually aware basically at the exact same time that AIDS came along. Like the exact same time, like the early 80s. Bummer. Yeah. And so, and you know, at the time, of course, it was a death sentence if you got it. Nobody knew where it was coming. I mean, there was a whole lot of unknowns. Yeah, yeah. And so it was, I mean, everybody's, you know, if you were smart, you were going around going, man, I, there's just no telling, you know, what's going to happen if I have unprotected sex. So I basically always had used condoms. I mean, I've, I've very rarely known a life without them, you know, on a, just a few select occasions. Well, <laughs> Being married since I'm 23, I've probably used condoms. I could count on one hand. Wow! See, I, that what made what would make me so nervous. This is I actually used to really cringe hearing this because I was I was also this will shock you like super cautious guy, super careful guy, yeah, and all course. that. You, yeah, you really. But I wouldn't take you for that type. <laughs> but I would have girls, and this is like in high school and stuff. I would have girls say to me. Uh, oh, don't worry. You, you don't have to, you don't have to use that. That would scare me because I would think, uh, I'm not the only person they're saying that to like, uh Oh, you know, I, I'm now I'm worried about even just doing it with the condom. So I wish I had a little bit more of that brain. It probably saved me some broken legs and yeah. But you know how we talk about how an athlete's brain, you know, some of the the world-class athletes, yeah. Uh, our risk assessment is a yes. little fucking off. Yes. Yeah. Anytime of a girl even slightly goes, well, I don't know. Pff, done. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want me to wear it, I'm not wearing it. <laughs> yeah. That was a, that was a definite buzzkill uh, for me. So um, we're, Oh, here's the other thing that I did today. And then we're, we, we will, we do have fights to talk about uh, uh, Singapore card coming up this weekend and some fallout from, uh, around the world of the UFC, including the uh, Demetrius Johnson uh, imbroglio that uh, he and Dana White have been involved in here lately. But today, and and Frank, you've just heard rumblings about this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let everybody in on something that's going on in my life. You've heard me mention the musical genius of Jason Isbell. You've heard me tell you how blown away I am by this artist. Okay. I do I've played a little for you in the yes. car, I think on our last road trip or whatever. This guy, uh, if you know music, he used to be in a band called the drive by truckers and he's, uh, next week uh, or this week, rather he comes out with his, I think his like fourth or fifth solo album. Uh, you know, I, I love music. I'm a music aficionado and all this sort of thing. And I've got my favorites, but, uh, boy, just once in every, you know, 10, 15 years, there's somebody I discover that comes along that I'm like, this guy is a musical fucking genius. Like this guy is an unbelievable songwriter. And so I noticed him about, uh, I don't know, probably the better part of a year ago. And I, I, his second, his album came out right before this uh, new one came out. And I look up and he was playing in, uh, in uh, actually here at Mandalay Bay at House of Blues uh, at the beginning of March, this past March, and the tickets went on sale like in the fall 
and I went out, bought them right away, been looking forward to the show. Jennifer's been listening to me go on and on and on about, she refers to him as my boyfriend, you know, how like totally uh, moved I am by this guy. So then I think, okay, obviously we got to get him on the podcast, you know, and I'd get you up to speed once we got him booked, you know, I'd be like, you know, okay, this, all right, so it's one for me, you know, but let's get him on. I want to talk to him. So I reach out to his publicist and she didn't say this, and he is in high demand, but uh, I think what his publicist, is, she didn't say this. It was a lot of like, well, schedule's really busy right now and stuff like that. I think what she's thinking is, why is this cage fighting show trying to get him on? You know what I mean? Like, what are they? I don't think she realizes how diverse we are, right. is what I'm trying to say. So... Uh, so we actually didn't get him when he came through town because of that. I was trying to arrange an interview. So now I'm trying to arrange another one because of uh, this new record coming out. So now I'm thinking we might have to enlist some guerrilla tactics. Like we may have to start like a campaign of our listeners to tweet him to come on with us or something like that. And I've already talked to some musical contacts. Makes sense. I, uh, I talked to uh, I talked to John Popper today from Blues Traveler, and he has enlisted in the army. He has said, "Whatever you need from me, uh, let me know." So just keep this in mind. I like that guy. He's a great guy. Popper, yeah, yeah. yeah he's a very cool guy. I would honestly like that you've introduced me to that. I yeah. really would like to hang out with outside of the. Uh, yes. Yes. Well, we got to go shoot guns sometime because he's like I said, it's it's I still cannot determine. Could you determine he has more guns from the night that he yeah. came over? OK, I yeah. couldn't figure out who was more deep nope. into. He's got me beat. OK, OK. So that's something that's yeah. really saying something. So anyway, but the he's, fact that he could even travel and that's not his the amount of weapons he just had in his vehicle. Yeah. And I got to assume that's not even a quarter of what he owns. Yeah. That was a lot of weapons. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, I just brought it up today because I emailed the publicist, and then uh, Jason's going to be playing at the Orpheum Theater where we've gone to see uh, Eddie Bravo's uh, EBIs in L.A. Mm -hmm. uh, he's going to be playing there uh, the day uh, before my birthday on September 17th. So cool. I got the tickets. But anyway, just you may be hearing more about Travis, will you see if Cowboy Cerrone knows uh, Jason Isbell? I know Cowboy and I have the similar musical tastes and all that, so I'm thinking maybe what we could do is just convince Cowboy to blow one of his bonus checks, hiring him to play like a backyard barbecue or something, and that's one way we get him on the show. We'll figure it out. That actually sounds plausible. Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> Knowing Cowboy, yeah. <laughs> like when, uh, uh, do you ever see Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Yeah. Okay, remember how Jeff Spicoli got the reward money for foiling the robbery right, at right. the Quickie Mart, but then he blew the money hiring Van Halen to play his birthday party? Yeah, I can see. Uh, yeah. Cowboy definitely lives life to the fullest. I don't think he worries about tomorrow. Well, speaking of that, did you hear uh, Dana White got Kendrick Lamar to play his 16-year-old son's birthday? Pretty cool gift for your kid. Yeah. Now, I, I I don't know a lot about Kendrick Lamar. I saw him play live last year at the uh, Life, or year before last at Life is Beautiful. I recognize the name beautiful. and probably listen to his songs, but yeah. if he walked in the street, I really don't even know what he looks like. Yeah, I saw him perform live. Uh, Jennifer is, is very enthusiastic about him. She knows all the words. Oh, really? Yes. Isn't yeah. he kind of like a Jason Derulo type? Isn't he like an R&B guy? Uh, I don't know Jason Derulo. He's a guy that dances really well. Oh, shit. I, I thought know. he was a guy that, that coached some UFC fighters. I'm thinking of Jason Perillo. 
Yeah. No, I don't you and know. I are not doing well. No, we're not. Our our street cred is uh, is is not doing well. Well, I'm not great at knowing different music, and yeah. you don't like this particular music. So right. Yeah. Maybe I don't know fucking who Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Dana White's 16 year old son apparently is a big fan. So Dana hired Kendrick. Lamar. He rented out Brooklyn Bowl here in Las Vegas, which is a, a big size venue, and then uh, and then hired Kendrick Lamar to uh, to play the party. That sounds pretty fun. What's the coolest? Uh, uh, what, you guys, you guys do cool birthday parties and things like that for your kids. Like, yeah. What, have you ever done like any crazy themes, anything mm, like that? Was it Cage's birthday? Well, all the kids' birthdays, we all kind of we've done the same things. Uh, Bella now, you know, she's turning fourteen here in a couple uh, weeks. Now it's getting more or less just hanging out with her girlfriends or having them come over. Uh-huh. But uh, for a while there, the wife always did the same thing. We would uh, rent uh, like a, these animal wranglers. So they bring different pets over. Uh-huh. So we usually have something at the house. You get the bouncy house in the backyard. Oh. But they would bring over. In fact, probably I could show you photos of it. This one guy brought in a chimpanzee, different animals. And uh, he, one of the things he had was a, one of those big black scorpions. Uh-huh. And so... Uh, uh, I asked if I could hold it, and the guy had explained to me that it's not. There's no way to tame that creature. That yes. there's no way that it might not sting you. And I let him know that that because I was deathly afraid of it, I couldn't let him leave without me holding it. <laughs> like I have an issue with that. Like if something scares the shit out of me, I have to. Okay. You know what I mean? That's just yeah. That's just, fuck. I don't know how my genetics ever evolved. I, well, wait. I got a couple of questions. Number one. So I held it. Number was he holding it first of all? Yeah, he was with a glove. Okay. Did you put a glove on? Fuck no, I go bareback, man. That would have been cheating. I assume the thing can kill you. I don't think so. I think I probably went over to the hospital. You got you got eight and a half minutes or yeah, something to get there, I'm right? I'm a big guy. The poison, you know, per pound would have been diluted yeah. pretty well. Well, this guy must have a real liberal insurance policy to just hand over the deadly scorpion to the 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 party goer. I was very persistent. <laughs> yeah, did the scorpion uh, attempt to make any move toward? No, you? it was pretty docile. It just kind of just okay. laid there. Apparently, he'd seen the Tim Sylvia fight. He yeah. was like, "Hey, I'm cool." Figure that you know, you sting me, I smash you. Nice to meet you. Not a great trade off. Yeah, no, everything's all right. Wow. Yeah, so I held him for a few minutes and, uh, you know, handed him back. I mean, it moved around a little bit in my hands. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was huge, though. I mean, it filled up my whole palm of my hand. It was one of those big black scorpions. Wow. But then the only thing, and later on, I was like, I wonder how accurate that is. Somebody was like, well, I think because the tail is laying to the side, uh-huh. he might not be active or, you know, I mean, it, like, it, you know, not an aggressive hunting mode or whatever the case may be. But all I know is that it gave me the heebie-jeebies just looking at it. Yeah. And because I had that feeling, I was like, shit, I don't even want to be near it. And I was like, ah. I can't exist with this thought in my brain. Wow. All right. Well, next time you want to just be around a bunch of animals, come over to my house. You don't have to do all that. Right. We got we got a menagerie over there. All right. Let's uh let's turn our attention toward uh our friend Demetrius Johnson and uh, his uh current uh public relations battle that he is having with uh your your mutual employer Dana White. <sighs> Um, all right, DJ, uh, last week, uh, really out of character for him, but seemed like he just kind of had enough and frustrations had boiled over, uh, published a lengthy statement about how he was, uh, to his interpretation, trying to be forced by Dana and the UFC into fighting 
TJ Dillashaw when what he wants to do is fight Ray Borg. He actually wanted to fight Sergio Pettis. They passed on that. He said, okay, I want to fight Ray Borg for my next flyweight title defense. This is an important one because if I break this one, I break Anderson Silva's consecutive title defense record. And the UFC, according to Demetrius, pushed back, said, nope, it's going to be TJ Dillashaw who will drop down 10 pounds from bantamweight to flyweight. It's going to be TJ or nothing. And uh, Demetrius said that, uh, in fact, during the conversation that was relayed to him through Mick Maynard, the UFC matchmaker, that uh, Dana threatened to do away with the flyweight division. Now, Dana responded in an interview with TMZ. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of his quotes on that. But the first thing I I wanted to mention, Frank, because it put an idea in my head. Dana said, well, I didn't threaten to eliminate the flyweight division because of him not fighting DJ. He says, uh, uh, TJ Dillashaw, he says, Demetrius has known that we've been talking about eliminating the flyweight division for three years. Now, that's news to everybody, I guess, unless Demetrius has been hearing it. I mean, um, I guess they not that they had an obligation to be public with us about it, but uh, um, kind of surprising to hear that now that they've been kicking around the idea for years of eliminating it. Does that it's surprise deflection. you? Uh, it was said, but now he's saying they didn't say it in that context, the context of actually uh, threatening uh, DJ with it. He did say it under that context, and and it might also be the truth of the matter. It's a half truth that you know if the one twenty five division's not selling what the way they wanted yeah. to sell. I know they did the reality show. It might have been a conversation that's been brought up, like well maybe we just can't continue on this weight class. Yeah, um, that doesn't sound far fetched to me, but uh, it's a it's a, it's a it's definitely a a uh, murk murky waters here it's a, it's a bending of the truth uh that you know that dana's like well i said it but i said it under this context what are you talking about that makes no sense that you would bring it up now but you've been talking about it for three years they absolutely are bullying and trying to strong arm demetrius into doing what they want you to do it put a question though in my mind and it's this if they were to eliminate the flyweight division could Demetrius get out of his contract? And here's why I asked the question. Let's just say hypothetically, and it's a ridiculous hypothetical, but that the UFC decided to eliminate uh, the heavyweight division. All right, well, you can't, you're too big to cut to 205 pounds. You will always be a heavyweight. So at that point, you can't, you couldn't fight anymore. You couldn't make any more money. So on the other end of the spectrum, if you're a flyweight and you can't really realistically gain enough weight to be competitive at a higher division, does that give you an out? Like they've basically just discontinued carrying your product. I don't think there probably is a specific clause in there when they sign their contracts that they are a specific weight class. I don't know for sure. Yeah. But I do think that it would, in the end, be a situation where. Uh, they wouldn't want a whole bunch of guys making noise that if someone wanted to leave, I don't think they would uh, force them to carry out their contract then now at, at, at Bantamweight. Well, it seems like it would be bad, be bad PR. However, I'm just trying to imagine the scenario where let's say you did fold up shop on the flyweight division and you've got, although 
Dana has, you know, publicly said now he's demoted uh, Mighty Mouse from best pound for pound fighter in the world uh, at best, second best, because he he gives that distinction to Conor McGregor now. But a lot of people's pound for pound greatest mixed martial arts fighter on the planet, Demetrius Johnson. You've got that guy out there as a free agent all of a sudden just because you folded up the division. What it's making me wonder is if in that situation they wouldn't try to legally say, well, he can fight at Bantamweight. We still have, like, getting, you know, getting uh, getting transferred in your job. You yeah. know, well, he can he could actually fight there, and that's where we expect him to fight. Do you think they would try to stand I on that? I think it would be a PR nightmare. I think it would be better off just to let him loose. Yeah. Um, and then it'd be kind of hard to win the argument because in one sense they've handed their own ammo to everybody saying, well, the guy you say doesn't make you any money, mm. you say he doesn't sell, then let him go. Mm-hmm. If he's not valuable, because that's what you're crying right now, that that you know that, that Demetrius just needs to do what he's told, that he's not, you know, he doesn't produce income for you guys, well then all of a sudden that narrative can be turned around and be like, Okay, well you've eliminated my weight class. I don't make you guys money anyways. I'm bouncing. I'm gonna go over to Bellator or wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think then that becomes uh uh, very counterproductive uh, for them. I think that they would be better off just, I don't think they'll eliminate the weight class as long as they have Demetrius because of it opens up so many issues for them. Well, here's what Dana White, uh, a couple of quotes from what he had to say in his response to Demetrius' statement. He said, quote, My guy Mick, talking about Mick Maynard, the matchmaker, is one of our guys who has been handling this. He said most of what Johnson said was not true, number one. Number two, the bottom line is Demetrius Johnson is in line right now. First of all, when he did his deal, he didn't want pay-per-view points. He didn't want pay-per-view. He wanted upfront money. No pay-per-view. He wasn't very confident in his abilities to sell pay-per-views. He has the lowest-selling pay-per-view in the history of the UFC in the modern era. So, number one. Number two... I think that a fight between him and TJ Dillashaw would be something that people would actually be interested in and could sell pay-per-views and could make money, but he absolutely refuses to fight the guy. It's ridiculous. Well, I don't think he has he doesn't absolutely refuse to fight the guy. He doesn't want to fight the guy and affect his defense streak. Uh, Demetrius laid it out and I think I said it on our show before he even came out publicly and said yeah. it that Demetrius Johnson is up for a record that no one probably ever is going to fucking surpass. It means something. I mean, you're talking, even guys, when you go to high school fucking sports, it's nice to put your name on the wall and know that, okay, at my high school, I'm going to be immortalized. Mm -hmm. Demetrius has a chance of being immortalized more so than just being another one of our champions, which that in itself is such an elite fucking group, right? How many people walk this earth saying that they've won a world championship in the MMA, yeah. you know, been a UFC champion. And then how many people say they can actually held a belt and even defended it? It has a pretty fucking high attrition ratio, right? Mm. Then you say, well, not only did I defend it, now I defended it more times than any other champion, the small elite group I'm talking about, has ever defended. He's going to put his name in the record books in a way that will probably be there till he dies and who knows how much longer afterwards. So if... This fight is made this time in this particular issue and TJ Dillashaw drops down and doesn't make weight. 
that title defense record does not get extended. Obviously, it can't go either way. He loses the fight. It doesn't mess it up because it no longer becomes a title defense. Or they have the guy Ray Borg standing on deck, and now you're telling a guy, hey, Demetrius might be the best fighter in the world pound for pound, but he's still mortal. He's not an idiot. You know, these are still dangerous guys. He's not that much above head and shoulders than everybody that you can go, well, let me train for TJ half-ass. Let me train for the guy Ray Borg half-ass. Because until we weigh in, I don't know if I'm fighting TJ because who knows if he can make weight or I'm fighting Ray Borg because TJ can't make weight. Both those guys know who they're training for. They're training for Demetrius Johnson. Right, mm-hmm. regardless who makes weight, who doesn't, both guys know that the only possible outcome at the end of their camp is a shot at DJ. Right? Yeah. So I understand what DJ's saying. It's like, look, have have Dillashaw. He could fight on the same fucking card. You make one twenty five. We'll build it up for the next one. Now DJ breaks the record. He has it, and now possibly can extend it. But first, he breaks it because if anything happens till then. What are you going to do? Start all the fucking way over and now build up 11 more fucking title defenses to break the record? Yeah. I mean, just, chances are at his age, he's not going to defend. He's not going to fight 11 more times. Yeah. You know? And see, for me, just from the historical perspective, just from the, the standpoint of the archive, you know, the records, I don't like the lines getting blurred. Like, do this with the next one after he breaks the... There's so, so many reasons to do with the next one because this one, too, like, make it about the title defenses. Yeah. That should it, be the have narrative. Have it be a guy who is a ranked flyweight. You know, Ray Borg is is deserving. He's there. We haven't seen that fight yet. He hasn't fought Demetrius Johnson. Right. It'd be sort of like... Remember when... Uh, remember in the midst of Anderson Silva's streak when, you know, the couple times he went up to light heavyweight on short notice, I think he saved a, a card one time when he fought Stefan Bob honor right okay and it was a one-off he goes up he fights he comes back down so that didn't affect the streak but let's just say for whatever reason Stefan Bonner had dropped down if he could have in in weight or said he was going to or whatever and uh, you know just been a mystery guest challenging for the middleweight title and then uh uh and then maybe didn't even make weight and if there's an issue with that then it it interrupts the streak and then uh let's say if he does win then it becomes like well yeah but he's not a natural flyweight and that was kind of a you know that was a, an unusual set of circumstances i just don't like any of the, i like the purity of being able to see what can be done from a historical perspective by having a shot at this record. I agree with you 100%. I see all the reasons why Demetrius fights Borg or even Pettis. I don't see very much upside in having this particular fight. If this was the next one, if he already broke the record, I'd be like, ah, shit, you know, let's go ahead and try it. I mean, I still kind of, I personally don't want to see the TJ and Cody uh, Garbrandt fight be missed. Mm -hmm. I really want to see that particular fight. Cody can't be injured indefinitely. I mean, so, I mean, why doesn't we just have that? I mean, so me on a personal note, I already have a guy I'd rather see Cody or uh, um, TJ fight. I want to see TJ and Cody fight each other because of the two camps, the rivalry, everything going on there that we had a whole fucking season of the Ultimate Fighter about, and all of a sudden that's getting shelved because I understand Cody's injured, but now we're going to have, I don't know, Like I just think it's the short-sightedness of the UFC to just, well, we're going to make this fight right now. It's like, well, well, fuck, man. Like, 
the guy told you is he doesn't want to do it. He's laid out a very plausible explanation that makes total sense to me. And then just it's just more of the bullying from Dana, like even saying, well, how do you bully the best fighter in the world pound for pound? I'm like, wait a minute. Are you talking business, Dana? Or are you talking physical fighting? And Dana likes to blur those lines, which I always find comical because as a businessman, that's the world that he is the alpha male. As a fighter, Dana's not a fighter. He was never even a B-level fighter. He loves fighting. He's always been around it. You want to know why we have no videos of Dana fighting? Because he was never any good at it. He's not a fighter. If we right now put Dana and Demetrius at 140 pounds and locked him in the boardroom and said, okay, the winner gets to decide you know, the contract, fucking Demetrius gets everything he wants. Wait a minute. I think we found our compromise. That's the fight we made. There we go. Now I'm on board again. Okay, now, now I'm just now saying, I'm so it's weird how Dana goes, I'm not, how do you bully the guy? I'm like, absolutely, you can bully the guy. Yeah. But you're talking business deals. You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference between the business world and physically fighting somebody. I don't understand how Dana sometimes blurs those lines. Like, Dana, in the business world, you're a badass. You're the black belt. In a fight world, if we want to put gloves on and walk into a boxing ring, you're a fucking scrub. Like, I mean, just... Well, you know. but you're right. There are different... Whatever it is, you know, Travis over here could probably bully both of us at the construction site. Yeah, you know what it, I mean? Like, he could make well, us no, I mean, look, feel I mean, like real idiots. Everybody has their ponds to swim sure, in. Sure, yeah. If something breaks down here and we're like, uh, at best, I'm like, well, what do you need me to go get? Grab the crescent wrench. That's the one little thing you got? Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know my place. I know where my strengths and weaknesses are. And yeah. I think that people don't really like listening to other people stepping out of that. That realm you know right. if we're all out and there's a car wreck and a guy walks up and goes i'm a doctor i'm like well shit i know a little bit about the human body like immediately i'm like you're a fucking physician jump in here yeah. what do you need me to do push on here yeah. scream for help go get somebody you know what i mean like you have to know your wheel well like okay where are you good at yeah. and uh you know and i think that sometimes it's the one thing about dana that he bugs me that he does like even one time it was a couple years back he's talking about acb when they first uh, got uh, uh, what was it? Uh, um, or ABC with the uh, was a strike force or whoever, and they signed. And anyways, a contract with a different fight company. And Dana was like, "Well, I'm gonna go over there." Talk about slapping them, you know? Like if I saw them, I would slap them in the face. I'm like reading, it, I'm going, "Holy fuck, really? Like you're a businessman. You wear a suit. Why are you talking about slapping people?" Mm. What was the context? What was it? Some other promotion gave like a big contract. Remember the channel or ABC or the network? Yes. Remember they got a hold of was it Strike Force or what was on ABC well, Channel oh, Three? Uh, I don't know about ABC, but CBS. CBS. Had, okay. Uh, they had Elite XC. Was that it? Okay, so it was which CBS. was yeah. And Elite during, XC's where Kimbo fought. So I know when they first signed with them. Okay. The UFC wanted to be obviously have that contract. Okay, gotcha. So I remember Dana at the time it came out with a quote about. You know, if I would walk in there, you know, I'd slap them. I'm like, okay, and, like and they it, did a bad deal. Right. Gotcha. I was just like one of those things where I rolled my eyes. I'm like, oh, look, man, yeah. you're not a fighter. And you know what, though? I mean, if you ask me right now, would you want to switch places with Dana? In a heartbeat. If Dana wants to have had all my fights and be the guy that fought, he could take that. Would I not want to switch and be able to buy my kids a fucking BMW and have Kendrick Lamar show up at their birthday party? It's like, fuck, man, that's you've made it in life. You're not a fighter, though. You know what I mean? Like, you can't yeah. claim to be that and, and not. It's like, as a businessman, you've made it. You know what I mean? Like, I would, you know, I, I, it, well, it makes no and, sense. And, and maybe the, the real disconnect is in one side being focused on the short game and the other side being focused on the long play. We are actually talking about that with Misha when she was in here. Mm -hmm. 
um, last week that, you know, because you just brought this up. Uh, apropos of nothing to do with, with Demetrius Johnson, unless Cody Garbrandt is injured for a long time, I don't want to think about Cody Garbrandt fighting anybody but TJ Dillashaw until yeah. I get to see that fight. That's the That's, next fight they needed it's, that way. It's a perfect fight on, for so many reasons. One, it's it's competitive, two talented guys, et cetera, but the whole backstory with Team Alpha Male, the show uh, this season, The Ultimate Fighter, like, I mean, it's not like, okay, so the fight couldn't happen in July, but... Can it not happen in no. I know, September? Like, let's make that happen. Bottom line, DJ's doing what I wish that I would have done earlier in my career. Hmm. Uh, you know, and, and what all fighters need to take a note out of his instruction is you have to look. The UFC is not there to do a favor to you. They're looking out for their best interest, and that makes sense. I mean, right now, all of us have jobs, right? You go to work. Yeah. Your boss is Some worried about his company and and him before he's worried about you. And mm-hmm. you have to, as employee, obviously, you know, you have to worry about yourself first. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just part of you know, you you have family, you have kids, you have a, a wife or a husband at home that depend on you. Mm-hmm. You have to put yourself first, and that's what Demetrius is doing. And there is, you know. Too many fighters I've seen, and myself included, where you're like, oh, I'll go ahead and I'll do a favor and they'll owe me type thing, take a fight short notice, and <laughs> hey, thanks for doing business. But at the end of the day, they're on to the next project and mm. what's best for them again. And and any of those, you know, are that, oh, you have credit in the bank with us. Well, we've seen how quick and emotional Dana is. He's not somebody to have store credit with. You know what I mean? Are there any moments like that, any fights that come to mind for you? That you would, if you could go back, like any any things in particular where you think that they were bad decisions based on timing, like you. Well, I think I think the day I, we brought this up the first time, the fight with Andre Alaski. This I, this one from just last what last year or eighteen months ago. I didn't want ago. to take the fight at that time. I had a hand injury. Yeah, uh, a misdi. I actually broke my hand before I fought a uh, Bigfoot Silva. Okay. That's why if you watch the fight, I came out orthodox because I knew my right hand yeah. was injured. So throwing a bunch of jabs with it or was going to hurt me. So I taped yeah. it up really tight. And the doctor at the time misdiagnosed me, saying, "Well, you probably just have a deep bruise. We don't see a fracture." My hand still bugged me. All the way mm-hmm. until about two months after the fight, I'm like, fuck, man, I can't shake hands with anybody. There was a while there that if any of my fans met me, I fist bump people because I couldn't shake anybody's hand because if they squeezed, I just, you know, I immediately just yelped, you know, it yeah. was painful. So I go back to the doctor again. I go to a different physician. I'm like, hey, you know, my hand. So then they had me hold my hand in a different position, take an x-ray. And it was funny because I'm like, oh, that's different. They didn't have me do that the first time. And the mm-hmm. guy looked at me and goes, they didn't have you put your ring finger in your middle finger. Yeah. I'm like, no. So they do another x-ray. He goes, oh, look, you see this cloud or deposit here of uh, calcium and this line through your bone? He goes, you fractured your uh, scaffold in your hand. And mm-hmm. it's healing, but it, it was fractured. I'm like, holy shit. So it was broken. So I took the fight with uh, 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 Duffy mm-hmm. and so fought him. But then afterwards, the whole camp, everything was about babying my hand. It hurt uh you know but i was able to get through it and then after the fight i'm like all right cool i'll have some time to let my hand really heal and then that's when i got the call from dana i explained to him like hey look man my hand is just not you know yeah uh, it's it was fractured misdiagnosed now you know i'm trying to recover through it uh you know uh, well you know four weeks (laughs) like four weeks i got a fight so i tried to get out of it and it was one of those things to where you know it's like no you're not getting out of this you know i mean it was put i mean i guess you're right you don't have to sign you cannot show up but uh you know in so many words it was shown to me that you know uh, you know, i was given an offer i shouldn't refuse 
What was because you were the co-main on one of Demetrius's yeah. fights, uh, as I recall. And it was all kinds of reasons that I stated that I'm like, look, I want to fight Andre. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a fight that makes sense. You know, when I was the champ and got injured, he became right. the interim champ. I get it, but couldn't we have like you know a, a buildup, a buildup to this? You yeah, know, I think this is a fight that makes sense. Yeah, but now doing it on four weeks' notice. Uh, yeah, you know that's kind of another example of what we're talking about—the short game versus the long game. Because because of the historical perspective of that, the fight that you know should have happened a long time ago could have happened. Circumstances prevented it. Long time in the making. You can work toward that. You could build. Hell, well, you could have was, the two I, of you coach the Ultimate Fighter. There against was all kinds of other. things we could have done, and then I was proven right because that card sold like shit. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I think that if you would have had me and Andre build up to a card, had a countdown type, you know, like, mm. you know, just a little bit of buzz put around it and given, you know, there's a reason why they start promoting fights two months before a fight, three yeah. months sometimes. You don't just sit there and go, okay, in three weeks, these guys are fighting. It doesn't give enough time to build up interest, I think, to the same level. I mean, if that was the case, why spend all that time when you can yeah. just market a fight in a month? Was there a, was it, did some fight, fall off of that card do you remember why you were asked to do that short notice i there can't was somebody that got injured I don't and remember i can't that. remember what it was but yeah it was like yeah it seemed like so it i mean if you ask me i mean that, there's a fight that if i could yeah. if i could have stuck right. to my guns saying hey yeah. look i just fought i just fought in february and now yeah. you know i'm not going to fight again and just turn around in three or four weeks uh you know no i and i should have said no but being how Demetrius used to think you're like well it's the UFC you know uh you know they kept me when I had an injury you know you start mm -hmm. rationalizing being the good guy mm -hmm. it's like well I'll just you know I don't want to say no and sometimes I mean that's the problem you as an athlete or anybody you have to know when to tell people no it's like look I don't care what you tell me it's not in my best interest it might fuck everybody else over but guess what at the end of the day when I retire or I go home at night, you guys aren't paying my bills. You're not home with me. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I have to look after number one. And that's why I kind of like that Demetrius is actually standing up and doing. Let's take a look at the uh, UFC Singapore card. That's going to go down on fight pass this Saturday. Uh, it's got one very recognizable name at the top of the card. The former women's bantamweight champion, the first woman to ever defeat Ronda Rousey, the preacher's daughter, Holly Holm returns to action. She's going to be taking on number 11 ranked Betch Correa. Why isn't Holly Holm ranked? That doesn't make any sense. They're fighting at bantamweight. That's weird. That's on the UFC site too. She only had the one loss before she moved up and had her second loss at She's lost two, right, but, but she one was at one forty five. Yeah, not, I mean she lost to Misha. All right, hold it. That's got to be an oversight. I'm going to pull up the uh, UFC ranking. Yeah, there's we're no talking. way. I mean, the only fight she beat yeah. Ronda loses to Misha in a championship battle. Right. How far? I mean, well, well, well she's got to be. While, while I'm looking that up, though, uh, let's discuss here because obviously, uh, you know, Holly Holm, the background of professional boxing, one of the best pure strikers of any uh, female mixed martial artist. Of Take, that style of striking. Yeah, yeah. Taking on Betch Correa, who, um, I mean, Betch is, is aggressive. She did a great job of uh, hyping the fight and selling the fight with uh, Ronda Rousey. But but on paper here, I'm I'm not sure where I see that uh, Betch is going to have a lot of luck uh, penetrating the perimeter of Holly Holm here. I what don't do either. I, I, and, I, and, and, you know, 
I hate when fights are this, in my opinion, one-sided. I try to give reasonings for what both people would be competitive. Even if in my heart I'm going 60% one guy or girl and maybe 40 the other way, mm -hmm. this is a fight that, you know, uh, I feel very safe in saying that Holly Holm wins, you know, uh, 10 out of 10 times. I mean, I I'm trying to run through my brain whatever technical uh, uh, skill set that Beth would have. And, you know, I mean, she's aggressive. She's a decent boxer, you know, I guess. Uh, you know, uh, she's okay at the takedowns. She has okay jujitsu. You know, she's well-rounded. And I think that she actually makes up for more of her technical, technical uh, the lack of her technical mm -hmm. prowess with just, you know, that kind of Brazilian spirit, you know, that heart. And she's aggressive. And, you know, she's game. Uh, you know, she has, uh, you know, the ability to walk forward. But uh, she's just not, she doesn't have, I don't think, the punching power or the trickiness to really do anything to Holly. I think this is a fight that's really going to be if if, if Beth, Beth wins this uh, uh, fight, it's going to be because Holly completely screwed the pooch here, you know, and I, and as many competitions as she has had and having, you know, the camp in the corner that she has, um, I just, I can't find a way to say that this is even going to be slightly interesting to watch. I think we're going to watch just a, a, a shutout coming from Holly Holm keeping the distance, landing sidekicks in the midsection, coming in with a few punches, blitzing, tagging uh, Carrera, and then just dancing away. And then, you know, and Betch, I think, will, will be aggressive and chase her down within realm or within, you know, reason. But for the most part, I see this as being a three-round decision, you know, or I guess this is going to be a five-round fight. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's going to be 45 to 50, you know, and, and all in favor of Holly. Yeah, I like, by the way, she's, Holly Holm is the fifth-ranked uh, women's bantamweight fighter. I just, I guess the UFC website didn't put it up there for some reason. But I, I see this as kind of one of those, uh, if everything goes right, it's kind of like the get-back-on-track fight for Holly Holm. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say tune-up necessarily, but it's kind of like, okay, you know, a, a couple of losses, you're sitting here at number five, win this. And then we start having the conversation we're usually having about you. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, and her loss against uh, Misha, and I think, I mean, Misha was here. I told her. Yeah. You know, I think at that point going into the, was it the fifth round that Misha finally got the choke? Yeah. Uh, you know, Holly had won all but the second round where Misha was able to get on top of her, couldn't finish her. So rounds one, three, and four were complete shutouts. So really, even if Misha at that point had been able to take her down and just control her, she's losing a decision, you know, uh, 48 to 47 was the best outcome for her. I mean, she had to either knock her out or submit her. And Misha showed phenomenal fortitude to be able to lock in that choke, take her down. And, and, and honestly, Misha won that on heart. You know, I mean, I mean, yeah. obviously the technical prowess, but the fact that in that fifth round she bit down on her mouthpiece like few other people, man or woman, I've ever seen do, uh, blew my mind. And then you know, so Holly has the loss there, but I mean, she was still, I mean, she was beating her the whole time. Uh, then she goes up to you know, uh, uh, featherweight. Mm -hmm. And fights a, you know, a pretty competitive fight against Jermaine, and and I even wonder if you know, not maybe one, but that second time that that late punch after the bell, I think influenced you know the outcome of the fight. Yeah. I, I really, I mean, fuck, it was in New York, which. We all know that New York sucks at fucking uh, the MMA scene. They they have to be the worst commission right now in the U.S. Uh, and so uh, you know, <laughs> being told that the bell doesn't stop the fucking fight, the round, the referee signaling you does uh, that was just 
retarded. But, uh, you know, so, I mean, still, she went five rounds with somebody who hits really hard. I mean, that's one of the categories that uh, Jermaine, you know, the Iron Lady is good at, very good at tie boxing. So, I mean, the length and power that she possessed couldn't knock Holly out. I, I just don't see where Carrera wins this fight at mm -hmm. all. I mean, you're right. It's I don't want to be so insulting to bets that this is a tune-up fight, but if Holly doesn't win this fight, um, there's some like then there's panic mm -hmm. like if i was in holly's camp and we're walking after this fight and it's not a shutout uh if she loses this this is one of those like oh fuck man we got to rethink what's going on here like maybe we you know we got some problems like mm -hmm. you know there's some serious issues yeah yeah uh, well, no one's going to be saying fuck because they're god-fearing people but it's probably going to be uh gosh darn They'll it they'll be thinking it though well fudge yeah something like that uh, you know what, before we uh, talk about anything else on the card, though, because you brought up Jermaine, uh, Jermaine Durandamy, we didn't talk about this when this came up a week or two ago, but have you seen that she wow. is claiming she is going to vacate a women's featherweight title that she won to drop back down to Bantamweight rather than fight uh, Cyborg? Did you see this yeah, story? Yeah, it made no sense to me. I don't know if she was saying because cyborg might not be doing steroids now but she's done them before she referenced it she definitely referenced yeah, it uh, but before that she had been because she won the title in february and she'd kind of been radio silence like uh she wasn't really there just wasn't any plans for her, you know and they had been trying to make that of course i think the original plan was to make a featherweight division so that cyborg could hold the title that was the whole and reason then, for opening up the feather sure it never made sense to me as a whole I get it. You you have one. Ronda Rousey made the bantamweight class for the girls. So yeah. here you have Cyborg, who has a lot of media attention. People are interested in seeing her. She's kind of like you know probably the closest thing to a Mike Tyson type you know persona yeah. that we have in the the women's division. We're just a big, powerful brute of a female. There's mauls people, so it makes sense making it just for her. But if you don't have that, making the featherweight class as a whole makes way more sense. Yeah. But now we have a featherweight class, and no, if if Jermaine drops down, maybe it's a ploy because I'm thinking that if I'm the UFC, I'm in a panic because if she vacates the title, who do you have Cyborg fight? Just some pull somebody over from Invicta? Like, I I think it just it really hurts the weight class. Yeah, I mean, and how could you not think that this was going to lead to a fight with Cyborg? I mean, it would be like it would be like winning the women's bantamweight title, and you know Ronda Rousey decides to come out of retirement, and you're like, "Whoa, nobody said anything about this." Well, it's even worse like, than that because Cyborg never retired. I mean, she's well, yeah, in that's the picture, true. So you're fighting for never this retired isn't coming off yeah. of uh, two losses. No, you're absolutely right. Oh, like man. it's even more of a slam dunk. So. Why, It'd be like you, you fighting at 205 and going, well, oh, shit, John's back? Yeah, that's a Fuck better this. example. I don't that's, want to fight the 205 no. anymore. It's like, wait a minute. You know, he was the champ. That's a better example. He's coming yeah. back from the suspension eventually, no, like right? Like Daniel Cormier just vacating the title to go back to heavyweight. Yeah, I don't just, want to fight a guy that did drugs. It's like. Yeah. Yeah, that's the why would you fight? That's the, the analogy. Yeah, it's just so strange. I've never even heard of anything like that. I think so. that she's vying for more money. I mean, I think that yeah. uh, seeing Jermaine's style, that she doesn't you know, her ground game. She's obviously a striker, mm -hmm. so she's gonna have to stand in front of uh, uh, you know uh, Cyborg, who's a very powerful you know uh, 
she's a beast, man. Cyborg is, she's tough. Uh, she's a physical specimen. Uh, you know, you could say what you want that she did drugs, but I mean, now they're testing her like shit and she still looks big and fucking powerful to me, you know? Yeah. So I think that she's just genetically, uh, pretty gifted. I mean, there's just, there are some people out there in this world that just, I mean, they just are just bigger and stronger than the rest of us. It's just not, you know, uh, not everybody's born equal. It's just it's not the case. We were talking about uh, Andre Arlovsky a minute ago. He's returning to action in the co-main event, taking on the number 13 ranked heavyweight uh, Marcin Tibera, who is a 15-2 and two heavyweight fighter. Andre is uh, still ranked up there at number 8. Uh, what, uh, what are your thoughts here? I mean, Andre obviously taking on a, a much lesser known fighter at this point in his career, I, I, I guess probably the least known in terms of marquee value that Andre has fought. What? Certainly since he's been back in the UFC, right? Well, I guess it really depends on Marcin's uh, uh, speed. I, I really honestly haven't seen the guy fight. Yeah. If he's quick and he can land on Andre, I, I think that uh, you know there's a chance of winning because Andre, it's weird. There's times, I mean, shit, I hit him with some good shots and dropped him and he doesn't go out. I've seen other guys over even in strike force that you would never, ever remember their names mm -hmm. knock Andre out. Then I've seen guys like Anthony Johnson hit him so hard that they broke his fucking jaw. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, break his jaw in the first round and he fights two more rounds. Mm -hmm. uh, so Andre's chin to me is just the weirdest, uh, you know, some guys are either chinny or they're not, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, somewhere in the middle. And, and then Andre is just, sometimes he goes down on shots that you're like, holy shit, that dropped him. And other times I've seen him take shots that are extremely hard, uh, you know, hits and he, he seems to walk through it. So I, I don't really know. It's such an unknown factor. And that's the hard thing with Andre. He's to me is a good fight for Marcin because he'll have a win over Andre, but Andre is somebody is higher. If I was ranked above Andre, I would never take that fight because if Andre shows up and puts everything together, he's still capable of beating some of the best guys in the world, mm -hmm. but he's also capable of losing to people that you never heard of. Mm -hmm. He's so inconsistent that it's, he just, he makes for a, if I was a promoter or a manager of a fighter, I'd be like, okay, if we have something to gain, we'll take this fight. If it's a wash or, you know, all I have is to have a win over Andre, I wouldn't take the fight because it's like, if this guy shows up, if Andre's on point, he has great movement. He's fast. He throws good combinations, which are rare in the heavyweight division. You know, the way he throws his strikes, his footwork, his movement, uh, let's avoid him, you know, unless we have something to gain. And in somebody like, uh, you know, Marson, who is going to be, a, is relatively unknown. I mean, I'm sure most of our listeners probably don't know who the hell he is. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, this one's going to be exclusively on Fight Pass and uh, just programming notes. So Frank is flying away. On Wednesday, right? You're leaving on a jet plane. I'm leaving on a jet plane. I'll yeah. be back uh, sometime in July. Sometime in July. Okay. So uh, you might be saying, but wait a second. The Phone Booth Fighting Podcast comes my way twice weekly. Well, What's going to happen? For two weeks. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> we're, we're going to keep doing the podcast. Uh, we're going to do it internationally. And actually, now that we've got the Phone Booth Fighting Bunker outfitted uh, here at Stately Mirror Manor with the video monitor, the plan is... Frank, we're going to have you on the video monitor. I'll be Skyping into my own house. That's right. <laughs> and then we're going, I'll move over to your chair. And then we're going to have a series of uh, guest hosts. Are you going to take my chair? I, I might. You don't want the guest to sit here, or is it better? If 
Well, I do, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking if we do, we'll have to map this out with Travis, but I was thinking if we do a two-shot, like if we didn't for some reason have a third person in here, then it would be a tighter shot if your oh, face yeah, is yeah. on the screen and I'm next to the okay, screen. Okay, on the times you don't have, you're right. Yeah, so uh, and we'll, we, we're will we not ready to announce any names yet, but we're going to get some special guests to come in. and uh, I'm hoping uh, to have somebody new each time. Yeah, and fill in, and then we'll have Frank at basically, like he said, as a guest in his own house. Uh, on the the video monitor, but um, uh, I, I bring this up because we're talking about this card being on Fight Pass. I was actually trying to think in my head today, logistically driving out here, if there was a way that we could try to do like a fight companion of this card with you watching it online in Russia. But well, or, or London or wherever you're going to yeah, be at yeah, that point. What uh, that's Saturday night. On what what date though? Uh, this coming Saturday. So well, this Saturday, I'll be yeah. in Rostovdon doing the ACB. Rostovdon. Rostovdon. But 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 not Saturday night, right? That's actually like their Sunday daytime. Well, Saturday night here. Yeah. Then yeah, it'll be they're ten hours ahead. So, okay. Uh, if this fight card, for example, were to occur. At seven p.m., okay, five, it'd be five in the morning in uh. In oh, okay. So maybe not logistically possible, but I was just thinking about all these well, possible I, scenarios. I could just stay up for it. It depends on uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because sometimes after the ACB cards, yeah. it depends on transportation back. Yeah. And then uh, if that's the case, if I'm up late and uh, you know maybe I can have Brian and we'll just sit yeah and we'll Skype in. Well, let me just tell you this: it's going to be an interesting uh, couple of weeks of podcasting because we're definitely doing the podcast and uh i one thing is for sure i will be here in the bunker but uh where frank will be well that's kind of anybody's guess we can give some names of people we're trying to reach out to that i don't want to do that yet because the thing is if we sorry i'm taking a picture of you and mel if uh if we do that um i I don't want to like mention it and then we can't get them and then everybody will be bummed i'd rather them be pleasantly surprised i'd rather under promise and over deliver as they say and i think no matter what you should have another person here even if yeah maybe travis can oh listen i mean we pop travis's cherry there's i think no absolutely i think travis will enjoy an enhanced role over the next few weeks would you be ready for that travis yeah, I don't know if anybody want to hear what I got to say, but I, I'd be down for it. But maybe some. You, you, you guys notice the start time on this? Uh oh, five a.m. Oh, thank you, Travis. Thank you for pointing that out. So I guess local time it's going to be five a.m. here. So that's actually Saturday evening in Rostadon. Is that the day after the ACB fight? Is ACB Friday or Saturday? It's Saturday. So if. Uh, Five o'clock it'll be three p.m. there. So actually, no. Realistically, I mean, okay, I'll just be maybe. up in my hotel room. I don't usually go down to the fights till five o'clock. All right, Travis, what do you think? Should we try to pull that off? We, can we do it? Uh, I'm no stranger to five a.m., Richard. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, the, think how happy Mrs. Mirror's gonna be when you and I come tromping through the house at five a.m., Travis. Yeah, but you got enough. There's enough uh, uh, spawn around here that I mean, we can do three shows just having a different mirror kid every time. That's true. So we got that going for us too. Now, I tell you what, we will give away one because this one is already booked. I did confirm one guest host uh, for the next week or so, and that is Mrs. Mirror. She is confirmed. I got with her people, and we have uh, worked out a date. She is going to co-host the show. We'll have you as the guest and see if you can get a word in edgewise. How about that? (laughs) 
All right, that'll be something to look forward to. Obviously, the return of Ask Mrs. Mir will uh, do an enhanced version of uh, that segment. All right, anything interesting pop out to you on the card? Anything else? I see that Rafael uh, uh, Dos Anjos is uh, moving up in weight. He's going to uh, welterweight against uh, Tarek Safadine, taking on the uh, uh, number 11-ranked uh, welterweight. Now, Dos Anjos has got five, but that's got to be his lightweight ranking, right? Not his. Uh, yeah, did he take? A, he didn't take a welterweight fight yet, did he? Not that this is the first of. one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So they must be referencing his. Uh, is, was he a guy that I guess he was a guy that always had some issues with weight cutting. He looked impressively big. I remember when I watched him fight uh, Cowboy. In, yeah. Uh, Orlando, and when he was walking into the uh, the cage, I remember staring. I'm like, wow, that guy is. Yeah. For a lightweight, he, he fills out the weight class. And I don't know. I mean, maybe this is just a one-off form. I don't really see a reasoning for him not to go back down and just fight at lightweight. I thought he was a very dominant champion and fighter mm-hmm. in that weight class. And, you know, a couple of hiccups here and there um, doesn't necessarily mean to reinvent yourself. I didn't think he was at that point yet in his career that go ahead and just screw it. I'm going to move up. Or do you know? Yes. Yeah, sorry, I keep jumping in here. He was on, I believe it was Ariel Hawani's show. And... uh when he fought in New, and it was New York when he lost. No, no. When did he lose to uh, Eddie Alvarez? I can't remember what what card that was, but he had an extremely hard time making the weight. Okay, oh, he said he didn't want to do it no more. Oh, that was uh, oh. that was here. That was uh, I. I was there. I, I saw that fight here in Las Vegas. So I think it was it was uh, before. Well, it's when Alvarez won the title yeah. before he lost it to Conor McGregor. So okay, well, makes sense. Still, you know what? Going back. Knowing what kind of, I mean, maybe that contributed to him losing because seeing Alvarez and, you know, I thought Alvarez has always been a really tough fighter. Yeah. But after that fight, I'm like, well, maybe I've always underestimated him. And then seeing Alvarez fight against Connor and then seeing him fight against uh, Poirier, I'm like, nope, I think I had him on point. I just, mm-hmm. that was an off night for uh, Rafael because I really feel if they were to fight again, even seeing the first one, I'd go, nah, I'm betting on Rafael. Hmm. Did you uh, let's let's uh, shift our focus here over to uh, Glory Kickboxing? Now the the upside is Glory Kickboxing got some national media attention over on uh, TMZ, the the tabloid website. Uh, the the bad news is it was uh, for something a little controversial. And let me let me set the stage here, Frank. Uh, they so so what we're about to see. Scroll down so I can see the the. I, I'm gonna have to get the names of these fighters. Uh, oh, oh, it's uh, okay. Keep on, keep going. Todd down. Grissom. Well, he was the he's the play by play guy. Um, go. Would it be up? No, let me. Well, actually, I've got the names up in the very. Yeah, I go up to the very top here. I want to get these names right. The event was in Paris. Uh, down right a little there, bit. Right? Yep, it was Glory Forty Two Kickboxing Saturday night. Uh, a fight between Murthel Gronhart and Harut Gregorian. Okay, so Gronhart knocks out Gregorian after he turned his back before the bell rang. Now, we're going to play the video. We should be able to hear the audio. But So I can read it again? Yeah, just the, you go back up to can the Can I see the top there. again real fast? So he... So Gregorian knocked out, turned his back to him in the second round. It was a crazy second round, scene. yeah. And, and the thing is, it wasn't... I don't know if he thought that he heard a bell it looked like that it looked like he just stopped over oh, there's the bell you know hands down turn around walk to the corner and uh Gronhart legally hits yeah. him okay and knocks him out now let's let's play the video and listen for the bell because i think you can you'll you'll hear the bell 
and how far after the knockout it happens. Oh, okay, go uh, uh, refresh it. Hang on, we may have lost our feed here. Uh, hit the back button. There we go. Oh, we got full bars. Yeah, hit it again. Hit the back button. Hit that. Nothing. Where'd it go? Oh, all. Uh, oh, wait, wait. Pull it down. Okay, there. Get get back into. People will listen to me do this on the air. Sorry. <sighs> Unbelievable. Pull that down. See if it's see if it's still back there. Okay, just just click into the body of that page right there. All right. Um. Okay. Well, you know what? Sorry. I thought we had it, and uh, our uh, our our internet browser is giving us a little trouble. Anyway, he uh, he hits him. Can you just play it real quick on your phone there, so you can you can see what happened? Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I'm just going to let you uh, look at it to get your thoughts because I mean it's a uh, it's it's devastating when you see it happen, but it's a refresh that page right there. Hit reload. Uh, it's devastating when it happens, but it is completely legal as soon as I saw it. And even to just see it explained as like a sucker punch or a cheap shot really isn't fair. All right, hit, see if you can hit play now again. Here we go. Grunhardt or Gregorian, and it was Grunhardt who won round one, according to all five judges. Oh, my! Defend yourself at all times! There's the bell. Okay. So, all right. So, first of all, a couple things. I just looked at the clock, and there was still – are these – how long are these rounds? Is it a three-minute round? I'm not sure where they were, but it was like two minutes and 47 seconds. So, obviously, still nowhere near the end of the round – but I think the bell may have actually sounded after the referee waved off the fight. But clearly, Frank, the fight was still going on. And for some reason, he just stopped and dropped his hands. You know, what's funny is the referee, that's Paul Nichols. Uh-huh. He also does the ACB. I have oh, okay. his number. Oh. If you want. I mean, I could text him now. I don't know if we'll have him on the show at the moment. But yeah. it'd be interesting. We can have his take on yeah, it. Yeah, let's do that. Let's he also what refs happened. MMA. Yeah. Kickboxing is his first love, though. So, I mean, uh, I'll probably see him when I'm out in Manchester and uh, yeah. in London area. So, hopefully, I can uh, have him on the show, but we can get a hold of him. Yeah, let's find out what happened there because, uh, and then there was, I guess, the corner of the fighter that got knocked out was attacking the other guy. And boy, there was Todd Grisham with, that's insanity. <laughs> can you tell that's a guy that's worked in the WWE? Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, I mean, there's just. Can I see it again real quick? Yeah, let's see if we can uh, play that one more time. There. Right there. Now, Gregorian just turns his head. Look at the referee. He says, no, you got to keep fighting. A right hand knocked him out. Folks can boo all they want, Joe. That is a legal blow. Yeah, right? Yeah. What did the guy hear, I wonder? Or maybe was he stunned? For I mean, the knee didn't look like it really made contact. Could it be that? Could he have been stunned to the point that he just kind of wandered off for a second? Because the referee... But he didn't look that... I mean, that happened to me one time in sparring. Yeah. I got caught with a hell of a shot, right? Uh-huh. And I remember I just kind of put my hands down, and the lights were on, but no one was home. And yeah. thank goodness my sparring partner realized that, that I was a sitting duck, that yeah. he wanted to... You know, like if you, you could have... You, 
I wasn't home. Like, yeah. I mean, like I was conscious as far as able to see what was going on, but like I was like kind of like uh, the best way I could describe it was like you know when you first come out of anesthesia and you're just kind of like, where am I? What's going mm-hmm. on? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I couldn't have put together a defense, mm-hmm. but I think it was very obvious physically that I was. Mm-hmm. hurt whereas he doesn't look Mm-mm. really stunned he wasn't wobbling i mean no. i didn't see anything and the other thing is too a referee always does something physical at the end of a round you especially if fighters are engaged well, you heard the right? bell ring when the guy was on the ground already so well yeah but, but i'm what, thinking maybe he heard the 10 second click and that threw him off maybe see i didn't even hear that maybe so maybe being in the arena you could have heard that yeah but doesn't I mean I'm thinking a referee always does something physical like if fighters are engaged when at the end of a round they always get a hand in there or something yeah, I mean there's some something. type of what time is it yeah right now? yeah that was weird is it British guy is that what it is yeah okay he's from the UK so oh it's gonna be you know what? it's the middle of the night right there it's gonna be like four a.m. or something or maybe yeah, five. It's five in the morning yeah oh it's an early morning I'll at least send him a text <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just FaceTime him. Yeah, Just right. <laughs> that go off. I just give him like a hey man. You know? Yeah, give him the old hey man. There you go. That's my thing. That is your your catchphrase. Hey man. Yeah. Yeah. Last time he was on WhatsApp was at one fifty one our time. So he's yeah he's probably asleep. Wow. All right. It's a cool thing about WhatsApp. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You can track his uh, latest movements there. Yeah. Very nice. All right. Stock well, people. So we'll, yeah, we'll get Paul's. I mean, maybe yeah, he can we'll tell us what, what the guy heard, that. what yeah. he said, because yeah. you're right. I mean, now, okay, so now we could talk about it. We're, we're, we're discussing whether or not, I mean, that was blatantly legal, what yes. the guy did, but the corner jumping in to attack the guy. Yeah. they. I mean, did they not also realize to the time or? That's that's the other part of the story we got to hear. Cause they're, I mean, they're, they can't be mad that the guy, well, no. our guy put his hands down. like, dude, it's a fucking fight, man. Protect yeah. yourself at all times. Yeah, there's got to be a real good, is there got to be a real good explanation for this or somebody was just you know not underst- not not understanding of the fact that you know sucks to be him but you know you got to defend yourself at all times like like Grisham you know said uh, on a good note uh what was the other fighter's name uh, uh Gronhart knocked out uh, Gregorian Gregorian Gronhart to be able out. to do yeah. that you know I've played on people that you know I've never done it in a fight because mm-hmm. there was this old fighter Jersey Joe Wilcock yeah that would put his hands down look like he was moving away from you and then come back and hit you mm-hmm. so sometimes in sparring just you do it just to fuck around sometimes mm-hmm. you know break you know it'd be one of those like just haha moments you know you're, yeah. you're always fighting with your friends that you know, I'll do something where, like, in the middle of the match, I can put my gloves down and like look over. I'll just look away, and most people's reaction is like, "What's going on?" And then you know, I mean, obviously, I won't blast them, but like, haha, yeah. that's when you give them a quick jab, like, "Gotcha," you know what I mean? Like, because most fighters, it throws them off for you not to be in fight position. It's almost like if you don't run, the dog doesn't chase you. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, you, what do they say to do? Like, okay, turn, face them, cover. You know, yeah. uh, you know, uh, don't run. You know, like that throws off an animal. You don't want to. You don't want to uh, incite their their natural predatory instincts. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with a fighter. If you're standing in front of them with your hands up, you're a fighter. But you put your hands down. It's not easy for some fighters to to stay in fight mode. Mm-hmm. So the fact that his opponent turned around like that and he was able to keep on it, that's actually good on him. Like. I think I would have made the mistake too of going, "Hey, where's he going?" You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think most fighters would have made that mistake to not attack their opponent because he put his hands down and turned away. You might look at the ref, like, did the bell? You know what I mean? Yeah. You might question stuff for him to stay on point. 
good on him. Do you think that's what Derek Lewis was trying to do against Mark Hunt when he just put ah, his hands on Poor guy was just so gassed. Oh, that wasn't, you know, ah. give him credit. Uh, but probably wasn't Lewis plan. did a good job for what he for yeah. the tools he had. Like I said, I mean, we went back on that show, but you know, if Lewis gets with a good camp, I still yeah. don't think we've seen the last of him. Hey, you know what? Just I reminded myself of this because I brought up Mark Hunt. You know, it was very a very entertaining uh, back and forth game to watch in the post fight interview was the number of ways that Mark Hunt eluded. He was being interviewed uh, by actually Misha. You know what? When Misha, next time we have her in, we got to ask her about this because she was working the Fox desk. It was Misha, Kenny Florian, and Karen Bryant. The whole steroid thing, he constantly fits it in. Well, the thing is, he's trying to reference it, and they're, they have to ignore it. Like, it was a really mm-hmm. interesting, you know, it's it's like your friend who's just constant. you know, he's, he's trying to come out to you, and you're just ignoring it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, no. I'm, uh, I wish Mark though would leave that up to just the courts. I know he has a lawsuit going, and he's going to make some money hopefully off of this. And uh, you know, I get his complaint about the Brock situation completely. I think he's going overboard though on the attacking. Like, look, Overeem passed the drug test, and he knocked you out. Like, you know, I think harping on Overeem. Mm. Well, you know, he, he failed the drug test before. I'm like, dude, you signed the fight, and and Mark, you fought in pride. There's never been probably a more noted, uh, you know, uh, drug uh, uh, influenced uh, organization than Pride. I've heard so many crazy stories about not about juice, but meth and just all kinds of crazy shit. And like, Mark, you took part of it. Mm-hmm. And so you signed to fight, you know, Alistair. Meth. I'm sorry. I don't mean to no, interrupt your train was, of thought. Meth. I've, you know, really? maybe we'll have one of the fighters that fought there, a very well-known fighter. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe I'll have him on the show if he wants to come on and wants to disclose it. But he told me that, hey, you know, I'll be like, wow, man, some of those guys came. He goes, yes. He goes, I was in the back watching guys smoke meth before <laughs> they fought. I was like, no shit. He's all, absolutely. Wow. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. No, they just, they gave him that burst Holy of energy smokes. to fight that first 10 rounds. And, you know, yeah, and, it, and he it, named it, some names of guys that, again, that if yeah. very recognizable, but I'm not going to say the name because, I, A, I didn't see it. It's not my story to, uh, to, to you know, to tell. So, I, I mean, had no idea. Meth, if, uh, if Pride ever gives any thought to relaunching, maybe they ought to relocate to Pahrump. That would be a, I mean, that could go over huge. Yeah, I mean, I guess the half-life on that as far as, you know, it, it got them you know, that, that burst through the fight. and Here, here try this PCP. <laughs> but, uh, you know? but, I mean, but my point being with Mark, it's like, I get, look, you want to harp on Brock? I get it. He failed the drug test and the match that he was with. Yes. You know, he signed the contract very late notice. They pushed that signing back as far as they could, you know. Uh, and it was also after the whole USADA chapter is opened. I mean, they're, they're, they're sta- you know, staking yeah. their claim on the USADA yeah, and so, era. I mean, so look, it's against I've that I've seen backdrop, everything out right? there. The text yeah. going back and forth with Dana and with Mark. Uh, Mark has a case. He wants yeah. to be pissed off about that situation. But now the whole, limiting steroids from our sport you know i think now he's getting to the point where especially with the the alistair thing it's like dude he kicked your ass you know what i mean like he kicked your ass and he wasn't on drugs when he did it so to me it's like you know the part of me that's a fan of mark it's Mm -hmm. like dude let it go man now you just sound like a sore loser you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like 
let that go who gives a shit you mm. know what i mean like it doesn't even have anything to do with your case like fo- let, let's stay on task focus on you know your fights going forward your career you know and and you have a case with the brock situation mm-hmm. you know alistair didn't fail his drug test with you so you don't have a case you know bad mouthing alistair makes no sense to me it's like look did the guy ever test positive before yeah but you know what fuck man it, it is what it is let it go you know maybe and i i'm just this is speculation i mean we're just you know kicking ideas around but I wonder if, because Mark is in a very weird position where he is suing the employer that he currently still works for. So I, I wonder if there's not a thought to the legal strategy from Mark's side, maybe as I, I might have this thought if I were his lawyer, to say, okay, it's what is the UFC going to say in court? Well, they're going to say, hey, you couldn't have been too upset because you continue to work for us, you continue to fight. And I wonder if Mark's defense, his counter with that to be, would be, yeah, but he was bringing up the issue at every chance he got to try to keep the focus on it. I wonder if that couldn't be, in a weird way, a legal strategy. Oh, maybe. You, you know, like how they tell you you have to defend a trademark. Like if you have one, you always have to defend it. Yeah. I wonder. I don't know. I mean, I'm just. I just wish he would stop on it. It just makes no sense. I think there's yeah. so many positives that Mark has going in his favor. Yeah. You know, he's the oldest, uh, you know, contracted heavyweight in the UFC. He's still relevant. He's still dangerous. You know, he goes and fights. He could have a fight with Francis Ngannou. He goes and knocks that kid out. Then, you know, we're talking about maybe another title shot, you know, for him. Uh, and maybe before he retires, mm-hmm. actually becoming a, a champion in MMA. Uh, and so, uh, you know, like there's so many things. And, and I get the court case with Brock. He has a legitimate gripe. They've laid out the, the details so far of what I've seen. Everything that's been made public about the case, you know, you and I have talked about it. I'm like, oh, shit, he has a case. You know what I mean, like that's why it didn't get thrown out. You know, yeah. uh, that's why this is going to uh, to court. And so, but the the, the Alistair things just bugs me. I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. you fought the guy, he beats you. Like to sit there and start, you know, ragging on him about that he's a cheater. It's like. I don't know. Like, I guess I'm just not that guy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, someone beats you, they fucking beat you, man. Like, let it go. You know, like, you mm-hmm. know, uh, I don't know. While we're at it, you know, another thing I wish he would do is I, I think he looks better with the dark hair than the bleached hair. And what happens is apparently he only bleaches his hair right before the fight. So when you see him in the buildup to the fight, like the countdowns and everything, he has the dark hair, he's the brunette. And I always think, oh, this is a much more handsome look. And then right back to the bleach. I kind—I wish he would flip it because I don't see him a lot in between fights. And I, I'd like to enjoy more of him visually when he has the dark hair in the fight itself. So that's probably second as far as like priorities, probably second. Yeah, I don't think on the list about it as much, but of no. the yeah with the pending litigation. Well, but anyway, you know, like I said, while we're making a, a list of things, thing. yeah, just while we're making a list of things for him to look into. All right, so uh, Frank, we got to tell everybody how to follow us uh, on social media. Uh, of course, go to phoneboothfighting.com. That is where you will find all social media links, previously aired and archived episodes. There are there are they are all available to uh, to you. Our entire library. Support our sponsors. Click through the sponsor link. Uh, Earthbrew, Real Water, uh, Drysdale MMA, Virtual Jiu Jitsu Academy, and of course that Amazon banner. Be like Misha. That's the hashtag for this episode. Misha Tate was on Phone Booth Fighting today, phoneboothfighting.com, clicking through the Amazon banner and doing her Amazon shopping. 
Uh, no additional cost to her, but it supported our, our show in the process. Oh, she bought some really expensive stuff. Travis, did she tell you what she was getting? Anything like super pricey? No? Would you have known if you would have heard? Like, did she say like the name Lou Booten or any of you know those names, right? Like all the designer names, Frank. Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. Yeah, but there's a there's a there's another one. There's that those shoes that have the red bottoms the on Pradas. them. Pradas. Is that Prada that makes them? I thought it was like a Lou Boot. There we go. Hang on, oh, Mrs. Mir. What is it? Oh, Christian Louboutin. Christian Louboutin. Do they sell those no, on Louboutin? Do- Louboutin. Okay, Chris. Yeah, see, that's the thing. It's this Christian guy. He's got his name. But do they? My my question, Mrs. Mears, do they sell those on Amazon? No. No, darn it. She laughed at me. All right. Well, Misha doesn't seem like she'd be uh, into that stuff anyway. Maybe she's buying some expensive exercise equipment or something like that. Let's hope. Okay. Uh, follow him on social media, Facebook, official Frank Mir. Twitter and Instagram is the Frank Mir. I'm official Richard Hunter on Facebook, and I am at Richard Hunter on Twitter and Instagram. Frank, what about the show? How do they find the show on social media? They can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Phone Booth Fighting, and if you want to follow us on Snapchat or Twitter, it's just Phone Booth Fight. That's it. Uh, look forward to the next edition of Phone Booth Fighting, which will be an international edition of Phone Booth Fighting. I will be here inside the Phone Booth Fighting bunker in suburban Las Vegas, but where in the world will Frank Mir be? Tune in to our next episode to find out. For Frank, I'm Richard, and we'll see you then. Everybody was Kung Fu Fighting Those kids were fast as lightning In fact, it was a little bit frightening But they fought with